Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Okay, praise the Lord. Um, we just want to continue with our deliberation on the wall of Armageddon. This is going to be part number four. And uh, remember, we're dealing with the issues of the last predictions as uh, commonly uh, said or used in relation to the end of the globe, as the case may be. And uh, like I said, we have only one passage of scripture that really uh, speaks about the issue of the wall of Armageddon, and that is the book of Revelation, chapter 16. And uh, to be very specific, though you can read from 16 to, I mean 12 to 16, but uh, in, in the study, I just in this particular section, I just want to take only two verses of scripture for you to get what I'm talking about. Especially if you continue with the previous studies. So, in Revelation 16, if you look at verse 4 and verse 16, I mean 14, 16, this is what you say, For they are the spirits of devils walking miracles, we go forth into the, under the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them together on the battle of that great day of Armageddon. I mean, Almighty God. Then when you get to verse 16, and he said, and he gained them, I mean, he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew world, Hebrew tongue, and Magedo. Now, this is the main thing, uh, or the main passage that everybody uses to predict the end of the world. But in relation to that, we also have uh, passages like uh, book of Second Peter chapter 3, which is the very area we're dealing with now. Second Peter chapter 3, and then... Um, Reading from verse number, um, let's say three as well. Let me just quickly take a look at this. Second Peter three, and then we're taking a reading from, let's start reading from verse number, number two. <clears throat> Bible said, These they made mindful of the words which were spoken before the holy prophet and of the commandment of us, um, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first that there were there comes a time from um, the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying where is the promise of his coming for since the fathers fell asleep all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation verse 5 for these they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of the by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth stand out of the water and in the water and then verse 6 says, Whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perish. And by the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same world, are kept in store, reserved unto, the, unto, the, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of a godly man. So when you look at this from verse 6, it's a 5 to 7, you have two worlds. So you have the world of Noah and the world that now is. That's the world we're living in now. Praise the Lord. Then when you go very quickly to verse 11 down to, uh, let's say verse 10. It's about the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens which shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are daring shall be burnt up. Amen. Seeing there that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought ye to be in our holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the days of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fire and heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for, verse 13 now, new heavens and new earth, well dwelling righteousness. Amen. All right, the wearing beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you be found of him in peace without spot or blemish. So, so verse 13 again gives us another world, and it's called, I will not call this not the third world. So what we're dealing with now is the three worlds and three heavens, and this is uh, the A part of the world to come. Three worlds and three heavens. So we have the world of Noah, we have the world that we're in now, 
And then we have the world that is to come, wherein dwell in righteousness. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Okay. Again, now we'll look at Second Peter uh, 3 verse 10. The Bible now says about the day of the Lord. And again, remember the day of the Lord, like we read in the book of um, um, Revelation 16 and verse, verse, verse 14 and verse, 15, verse 16, you know, tells us about the day of the Lord, the great day of the Lord, which speaks about the market. And so here you find that the world is also in a way applicable here. When he said, by the day of the Lord, Armageddon will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are daring shall be burnt up. So, which heaven is passing away with the elements thereof? Again, if you, let's just take a few scriptures here. Um, in First Chronicles 16, verse 30, the Bible says, Fear before him all the earth. The world also shall be stable, that it be not moved. Now, where's the fear before him all the earth? I want you to know that. First Chronicles 16.30 Then, Psalm 6, 90, 96 verse 1 Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. So, the question you begin to ask yourself is, is the scripture addressing the physical earth? Where you have rocks, stones, you know, crude oil, you know, all of those rivers, trees, and just name it, you know, the desert. Is that what the scripture is saying that you praise the Lord? Now, I do know, fine, uh, scripture actually talks about that in terms of, you know, all creation praising the Lord. But is that what you think this is referring to? Okay, let's look a little bit closer. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 1 and 2, uh, the scripture says, Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O art, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Amen. So now, you, you just look at this scripture again. Now, this is Moses talking. Is it that Moses was, was going to be speaking to a physical physical heavens and physical art. I mean, was it going to be teaching the natural um, uh, things you find in creation? Is that what you intend? I mean, you can see for what Moses is talking about. Now, evidently from this, you can see that the art refers to a society of people. For Moses was not intending to teach a physical heaven up there or a literal earth down here below. But rather, the priesthood of Israel was a heaven and the people, the rest of Israel, the arts. These are the two realms that he wanted to address, the priesthood and the people. And so, if you read now in Revelation chapter 17, um, verse 5. But before you look at that, you just look at verse 1, Revelation 17, verse number 1. And the Bible says, And there came one of the seven, the seven angels, which had the seven vowels and talk with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show unto thee the judgment of the great hall that seated upon many waters. Hallelujah. The judgment of great hall that seated upon many waters. And then when you get down to um, verse number verse number 5. What's the next thing you see? You see, and upon her forehead, talking about the great hall, the harlot, was a name written, Mr. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, an abomination of the earth. And then when you go down very quickly to verse 15, Revelation 17, now he says, And he said unto me, The water with the source, where the hall seated, are peoples and multitude and nation and tongues. Praise the living God. You see, so here we're dealing with a power controlling people. And, and that is mystery Babylon. And one thing you need to understand is the heavens rule. By implication, I'm saying the spirit world controls the natural world. And so, in Daniel chapter 4 verse 26, we are told the heavens do rule. So, in, in other words, this mystery Babylon was in charge. You know, that was controlling people, ruling over them. So it's like taking the place of God, if I may use the word, over the life of these people. He was completely in charge. 
Okay, so understand that. Now, when we move down again to Second Peter three verse ten, want us to define something very quickly here. So, about the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Right now, you have to observe something here. The element that shall be melted with fervent heat are in the heavens and not in the earth. Did you notice that? Praise the Lord. The heavens, I mean the element to be melted are in the heavens. They are not in the earth. You know, but religious commonly have made us to believe that the planet earth one day go up in smoke. And the element in it such as gold, silver, precious stones, crude oil, in the thinking we have to melt with fervent heat. But really speaking, the elements to be melted are in the heavens. And this face, I mean, this fact makes all the difference, the whole world of difference to the meaning and thought revealed in the scripture. Now don't forget this. The elements are in the heavens and that heaven speaks of a controlling power, a realm of authority in and over a people. So we read of those who walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience. Like you find in the book of Ephesians uh, chapter 2 and verse number 2. And then when you look at uh, Ephesians 6 verse 12, you know the story as well. We are not against flesh and blood, but against what? Against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. The high places also can read in the heavenlies. Amen. Right. So we find that the heaven are controlling how to do with some agents, some spiritual powers, if you will. These are the people controlling. So when we're talking about the heaven passing away, we're talking about these controlling factors being removed. That man will have a personal expression before God to live before him. All right. So now you go. So, so, so what are the elements therefore that are found in this heaven like we're talking about? Remember, the elements are in the heavens, not in the earth. Is that okay? Alright. So, the Greek word for heaven is the word stoichion. And that is, uh, spelled S-T-O-I-C-H-E-O. H-E-I-O-N. Stoichion. Uh, which means orderly in arrangement, fundamental, initial constitution, and rudiment. Now, you listen closely. The element means what? Orderly in arrangement, fundamental, initial constitution, and rudiment. So, friends, the definition is clear here. The elements have nothing to do with gold, silver, bauxite, crude oil, uh, just name it, pressure. I mean, all of those things you can think about. In the earth, which will God have blessed my weight. It's not talking about that. And so all this is in the earth, but rather the elementary principle of life that's God set in place over man to live by until Christ is revealed. That is what the elements are talking about. The initial arrangement, the fundamental, the initial constitution, the rudiment. You're going to find it clearly now as we move on. Alright. So, but all these things have been there controlling man. Until God, I mean, reveals Christ. So, uh, all of those elementary principles, like we're saying, this actually include all the dietary and moral laws as found in the book of Leviticus and every other thing that Moses put together for the children of Israel to control, to rule over, you know, for people to live their life and manage their affairs. That's what talk about the, uh, uh, the constitutions of all rudimentary laws, if you will. And so, if, for instance, when you look at the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 22, you see all these laws were put in place in relation to God and to man. Love your neighbors, you love yourself, then worship God, love God. So all of these laws were put there for man to live by. And if you look at um, ex- Exodus 22, and that's what it was said. If a man shall steal an ox or a sheep and kill it or sell it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a, for a ship. Now the Bible says, if a thief should be found breaking up and be smiting that he died, there shall no blood be shed for him. You know, so all these laws were put together by God. And this thing constitutes the elementary principles or elementary or the rudiment, the constitution or the constituent of such things that man was supposed to live his life with and, and by. 
Amen. Alright, praise the Lord. I just wanted to follow this. So, beside all of this element that constitutes the, uh, I mean, that, that, that got put together through the Lord of Moses, if you will, that were supposed to be used to guide man, beside all of those elements that constitute, uh, uh, all of this thing comes to play in such a way that man himself have devised several other things by which he wants to live. You see? So when we talk about the elements in the heavens, we're talking about things which man has also put in place. It's to do with his own um, educational religious attainment that he has fashioned out for himself that now controls him, e.g. What things like the psychology, philosophy, esoteric studies, Eastern religion, yoga, transcendental meditation, superstition, witchcraft, Masonic order, ESP, ESP is extrasensory perception, crystal ball gazing, psychometry, um, we have things like psychic and psychic studies or psychic experience. We have things like horoscope, pentagram, clairvoyance, clairaudience, etc., etc., which are all inspired means of living instead of God's true spirit. Are you following what I'm saying? Just like Israel was living by those elementary principles that God put in place, we also find that man also devised other means by which he needs to live or he wanted to live outside of the spirit of God. Praise the Lord. And those are the things I just mentioned right there that you can see. So when we think of psychology, philosophy, esoteric studies, Eastern religion, yoga, all of these things put together, psychometry, horoscope, pentagram, clairvoyance, clairaudience, ESP, all of these things man have devised as a means by which he intends to live his life to the fullness. And you know, to be, to, to, to be able to have peace, have joy, you know, which actually are the things that come from the spirit, like you find in the book of Romans chapter 14 verse 17. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Alright, so now, in Galatians 4 verse, verse 8 to 11, Paul says something there, which actually helps us to also understand what we're talking about. So look at that, Galatians 4, 8 to 11. And this is what the Bible says. How be ye then, when you know not God, you did service unto them, which by nature are not gods. But now, now remember service, when you're serving somebody, for instance, when, when God told Pharaoh, he rightly mentioned to them, I would like you to release my people that they might go and worship me. Is that okay? Moses said the same thing. We want to go worship God. So, whatever you reverence, whatever controls you is your God. And that becomes your heaven. Is that okay? So how be it when you went, when you knew not God, you did service unto them, which by nature are no gods. In other words, you were serving those things which are not truly God. But now, after that you have known God, or are rather unknown of God, how turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and times and years, I'm afraid of you, lest I bestow on you labor in vain. Hallelujah. You get that? Okay. So now, how can you turn back? If you look at it from the century English version, this is what it says. How can you turn back and become the slave of those weak and pitiful powers? You even celebrate certain days and months and years. Praise the Lord. Did you see that? How can you turn back? And become the slaves of those beggarly or weak and pitiful powers. So, there you have it. Those things which Paul referred to as beggarly element in King James Version is here referred to as weak and pitiful powers. Weak and pitiful powers. So, all this relates to the Jewish order, the rituals and the Sabbath keepings. Now, man's mode of worship and religious observance outside of God are the element that Peter talked about. And because they were the source by which man lived, the controlling factors that made them, I mean, the elements in the heavens becomes the ruling power. So, remember we said before that the heavens will rule. So, all of these things that men were looking onto and serving, if you will, that have become the center of the earth and attention and attraction to be able to live well on the earth is what is referred to as the elements in the heavens. 
Hallelujah. Now, if I have to read this from the Amplified Translation, and this is what it says. See to it that no man carries you off as spoil or makes you yourself captive by his so-called philosophy and intellectualism and means deceit, idle fancies and plain nonsense, following human tradition, men's ideas of the rather than the spiritual, world just crude notion of following the rudimentary and elemental teachings of the universe and disregarding the teachings of Christ, the Messiah. Did you get that? Don't let anyone... Now, if you look at it from the Century English Version again, very emphatic. Don't let anyone fool you by using senseless arguments. That's philosophy. This argument may sound wise, but they are only, are only human teachings. They come from the powers of this world and not from God or Christ. Praise the Lord. Did you get it? So... All of those controlling powers, all of those forces, all of those ideologies, all of those uh, human sentiment that they put in place to be able to live, these are the things that are called the elements in the heavens. Now, if we have to look at the Jerusalem Bible from Colossians 2, 16-20, it explains a little bit further. For instance, it said, Do not be taken in by people who are groveling. The word groveling means, uh, you see, to grovel is to, is to speak to somebody or behave in a very humble manner in order to gain favor or be forgiven for something. That's what it means to grovel. So when he says, do not be taken in by people who are groveling, right, to angels and worshiping them. And remember, God also forbade the worship of the host of heaven. Like you find in Deuteronomy 17, 1 to 5, Second Kings 21, 1 to 5, Jeremiah 21 and verse 18. Is that okay? God forbids the worship of the host of heaven. But the other Bible is saying we have people who grovel before angels and to worship them. Is that okay? Right. And some of this we can see that we are actually talking about also uh, ministers of God who have kind of exhorted themselves so highly among the people or the brethren to be worshipped and instead of worshipping or speaking through them instead of God speaking through them people now worship these people you see they are in the heavens at that particular time just like we have the high priest like we read in Deuteronomy chapter 32 alright so yeah people like that are always going on about some vision they've had uh, inflicting themselves to a false importance with a worldly look. A man of this sort is not united to the head, that is Christ. So if you have really died with Christ, which you find in Colossians, I mean, uh, Galatians 2 verse 20, Jesus said, the life I live in the flesh is no longer, I mean, Paul, it's no longer I that live ever Christ that live in me. So we're talking about when the Christ begins to control man. Instead of the things that are in the heavens, instead of the things that man have put in place for himself to be able to get satisfaction and have such things which he calls God to worship. You see? Praise the living God. That's what we say here. Now Paul is saying for instance, now I take it again for you to see, uh, Galatians 2 verse number 20, For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Very practical. Is that okay? Right, so by implication, Paul is saying the elements are no longer controlling me, but there's another source of control which I have. He speak about the Spirit of Christ. Alright, so if you have really died with Christ, to the element, the principle, the element of this world. Why do you still let rules dictate to you as though you are still in the world? Touch not, eat not, and so on and so forth, like you find in Colossians 2. These were all pale reflections of what was coming. The reality is Christ. Praise the living God. The pale reflection of what was coming. Those who were put in place for a moment. Those who were put in place just for a time. Those are not the reality that God has in mind. The reality is Christ. All of those things are pointing to Christ. You talk about the Sabbath, he is our Sabbath rest, and so on and so forth. Praise the Lord. So you see, the elements are simply the ways of life, concept, human imaginations about life, and living mentally and otherwise, cultures, extravagant social way keepings, 
burial rites, naming ceremonies, birthday ceremonies, etc. Educational philosophies, economic and social political ideologies that are void of Christ's leadership and inspirations. All of these things are the elements that are in the heaven that are melting. What they begin to match, they lose value. You know, for you. So you no longer submit to them. You no longer want to observe them. Because there's a higher spiritual dimension of Christ's spirit that is now living and controlling your life. So all these things and many more constitute the element that shall melt. And are melting as we discover the fallacy that is in them. Because they do not contain life. Is that okay? They do not contain life. They do not sustain life, if you will. They are just things that you engage in, like the state of euphoria, and they disappear instantly as you are out of the sector where those things are observed. Praise the Lord. So, this element to be melted have to do with the teachings and notions of men that cool, I mean, that keep people bound to earthly wisdom and knowledge, indicating to us that any philosophy or religious pursuit that is not Christ-centered is completely part of this elemental ways of life that is passing away. Is that okay? Go to the point right. Everything, the element to be melted, have to do with the teachings and notions of men, religious, political, educational, that keep people bound to earthly wisdom. Remember James talked about wisdom of above or wisdom that is earthly. You see, and knowledge indicating to us that any philosophy or religious pursuit that is not Christ-centered is completely part of this elemental ways of life that is passing away. Praise the living God. Uh, you see them. All right. So, I really want you to catch this because, and don't forget, we're saying this, that the element that I mentioned the way they were, in the heavens, in the heavens. So, take it again. Second Peter 3, just to remind you, but the day of the Lord, the Magadon, will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are daring shall be burnt up. You see, so what now are the earth that are going to be burnt up in the heaven? Remember, we're dealing with heaven and earth. The first seven and the fourth, I mean, the first earth passed away, and then the heaven and the earth that we're living in now shall be burnt up. You know, with fervent heat, and then we're looking for a third world to come, which is a world dweller, I mean, that dweller righteousness and, and, the, and the glory of God. Okay, so again here, in the, in the B part of the Second Peter 3, verse 10, we talked about, um, the, the, the element, first of all, we're talking about the element that shall match, that the B part, the earth also, you see that? The earth also and the works that are daring shall be burnt up. The earth also. This is different from the element in the heavens. So you don't find the element in the earth. You will find works in the earth. Praise the Lord. And I want you to pick that because very, very important. Is that okay? So we are dealing with two realms here. The earth and the what? The heavens. Alright. But the heavens have the element. The works have earth. So what are the works that are burnt up in the earth? Again, look at this. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the earth and the works thereon shall be burnt up. Praise the Lord. Now, first of all, let's begin to define what the earth really is. If you take time to look at the book of First Corinthians, chapter 15, you look at verse 47 down to 49, this is what you see. The first man is of the earth, art he, the second man is of the Lord from heaven. As the earth is such as they also that are earthy, and as the heavenly, such as they also that are heavenly. Verse 49, and as we are born the image of the earthy, we shall also be the image of the heavenly. Can you see that? So we have two realms, uh, or two persons, or two personalities with their attribute. The first one is earthy, right? And the Bible says, just as the earthy, so are they also that are born the image of the artist. So we know artist here speaks about Adam. So as we born the image of Adam, we shall also be at the image of the heavenly, which is Christ. Are we together? Praise the Lord. So the first man is of the art arty. That's clearly there. As the artist such as the also the art arty, which is the true image and a reflection of the Adamic life. Alright. Now these are the these are the who cannot design when we talk about the art people we're talking about those who can design spiritual things, right? They can design spiritual things. Let me read a, a few scriptures here for you. 
Uh, First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 4. Uh, Paul said, and my speech and my preachings was not with teachings, I mean, a thousand men's, men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Now, he said that in First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 4, right? Okay. Now, if you move on to Romans, uh, let's look at Romans chapter 8, 5 to 7. Romans 8, 5 to 7. Very, very interesting here as well. And this is what it says, 5 to 7. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is dead, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Follow that. Because it, the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the Lord of God, neither indeed can be. Praise the Lord. Did you see that? Okay. So, now go to First Thessalonians chapter, uh, that's First Thessalonians chapter 5. I also want to show you something there. First Thessalonians chapter 5, and this is what it says. Chapter 5, look at verse number, um, verse number 7. Just verse number 7. And it says, For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken, are drunken in the night. Amen. So what is that supposed to mean? What he's trying to tell us here, looking at this couple of passages together, we're talking of those who cannot design the things of the Spirit because of their utterly carnal-mindedness, who sleep and are drunk on the night of the religious system of man. And so, remember, I'm trying to define for you what is acts that is passing away, where you have the works. So, the act, we already know by now, to mean a society of people contains work that must be bound up. Society of people that are carnally minded, that are not in tune with the light and life of God, whose heavens has to do with elements, you know, elementary principles and, constitu- and constituents that guides and directs them. The things that we submitted their life to, those are the things that are being melted in the heavens. So what the earth now have works that has to be bound up. So, it will now be necessary for us again to understand what exactly are the works in the earth that must be bound up. So, when we look at the book of Hebrews, there's an interesting passage that I would like us to read. Hebrews chapter number 6. I mean, chapter 6 here. I'm going to read from verse 4 to 7. Very interesting. Um, it says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put into an open shame. But some will say, For the earth you follow it now, we drink and in the rain, but come often upon it, and bring it forth helps and meat for them, by whom it is dressed, receive blessings and I mean blessing from God. But verse eight, very important. What did verse 8 say? Verse 8 says, But that which beareth thorns and brass is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burnt up. Praise the Lord. Whose end is to be burnt up. Now, I want you to notice that because it's very, very important. What is the end that is to be burnt up there? Right there, we're talking about the people who cannot produce the fruit. Now, you say the edge. Alright? The art, and I want you to know that because very, very important. The art that bringeth forth, you know, instead of fruit to the dresser, is bringing forth thorns and tissues. And he said, this art is meant to be burnt up. Now, in the first instance, this art here you see in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 4, is dealing with the Jews. That receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that comes upon them often and bringeth forth helps, which is the, the, the righteous life of Christ, meant for the dresser, the minister, the dresser, Christ himself, by whom it is dressed, receive a blessing from God, but that quit bearing tongues and brass of righteousness is not unto cousin. You find the same thing in Genesis chapter 3. 17 to 18, you know the story how God had to cause Adam and Eve and say the earth will bring forth tons and teasers. So it's the same thing. Here, God is speaking to Israel. The first thing you must understand is talking to Israel as a kind of warning. Now, this book was written 
in AD 63 and 67, between AD 16 and 67. And Jerusalem fell in AD 70. So we're talking about some four, you know, seven to uh, about uh, six years or thereabout, you know, before the fall of Jerusalem. So it was a warning to them that they will have received the Holy Spirit. They're trying to go back to Judaism and in so doing, they are definitely going to be burnt up. Now he was referring to the judgment that was going to come to Israel. Uh, Jerusalem in particular at that particular time. So here we find that the Bible says the end thereof is to be bound. Amen. Right. So this passage was actually a warning to them. But we also know that art speaks of mankind in general. Now, a parallel comparison of other translations of this word bound up in Second Peter 3.10 will help our understanding of the mind of God in this case. For instance, when you look at the world there it says the earth and all that therein contains will be burnt up, right? Now the Greek in the margin is uncovered. Uncovered. Now you find that also in the Jerusalem Bible. Uncovered. The word burnt up means uncovered. Then when you go to the interlinear translation, what do you see that an earth and the works in it be discovered? Discovered. Alright? Then you see NIV said, the earth with all that is in will be laid bare. You find it in the New English Bible as well. Will be laid bare, open. So what is laid bare, uncovered, burnt up, discovered in the earth? Remember, the works on the earth are going to be what? Burnt up, uncovered, laid bare, discovered. What are these works? It has to do with the thorns and brilliance, like we find in the verse number 8. Of Hebrews chapter 6. Again you look at it. But that which beareth thorns and brails is rejected and is not unto cousin whose end is to be burnt. Amen? Right. So we're talking about the earth that bring up all brails. Now here is a clear scripture that we speak to us that the earth that Peter referred to and the works to be burnt up is not about the physical planet. I would like to read a particular scripture for you here to see that Paul is not talking about the physical planet. Just like Peter wasn't talking about a physical planet, but they were referring to the things that are in man. For instance, in Colossians 3 verse 5, the Bible says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. What are the members? Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Did you get that? Let me read the, the catalog of things on the earth again for you. Fornication, or cleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now you tell me, do you have fornication or covetousness on the physical art or in human beings? Can you get that? But it's a kill this body of your which are upon the earth. So we're talking about the things that controls man. Just like we have philosophy and ideas, wisdom, that control man, spiritually speaking. We're talking about the things that moves man. You know, naturally, that are contained within his body. Praise the Lord. So therefore, the word of God says, Now the works of the flesh, freshly kind of minded, not earthly people, you know, like you find in the book of Romans chapter 8 now, 5 to 7, 1 Corinthians 15, 47. They're talking about the carnal nature of man. They're dealing with the carnal nature of man. That's what it's emphasizing here. Uh, let me read again. We read that before, but let's just go back there and read it again. Romans chapter 8, 5 to 7. What did he say? I say, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is dead, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal man is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the Lord of God, neither indeed can be. Praise the Lord. You see that? Now, this, this works upon the earth. A manifest creature these. You know, when you look at Galatians chapter 5, 19 to 21. This is what you're going to see. Galatians 5, 19 to 21. We're talking about the work of the flesh now. Which are the things that have to be burnt up. Are you still there? Praise God. What are they? They are manifest creature these. Fornication. Gross indecency and sexual responsibility, idolatry and sorcery, fears and wrangling jealousy, bad temper 
and quarrels, disagreement, factions, even drunkenness, orgies, and similar things. This is also from the Jerusalem Bible. So you take time to read that. This is what you see. What are those things? Let me just read the catalog again to you here. What are they? Fornication, gross indecency, and sexual irresponsibility, idolatry, and sorcery, fears as quarreling, and wrangling, wrangling, jealousy, bad temper, and quarrels, disagreement, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and similar things. Hallelujah. Galatians 5, and you look at 19 to 21. Amen. These are the things the Bible is talking about after we burnt up that are in the earth. Let me also read it maybe from the King James Version. And you look at it from 19 to 21. And it said, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murder, drunkenness, revilings, and such and um, such of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in the past, that they could do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Can you see that? So these are the things that the Bible is referring to that are going to be burnt up. So again, the word burnt up is from two Greek words. Kata, K-A-T-A, which means down, and Kaio, to set on fire. That is kindle or by implication, consume bright light. And these two words put together is katatao, katakao, which means to burn down to the ground. That is consume wholly, burn up utterly. Similarly, the word used in Hebrews 6 verse 8 is causes, burning the act, being burnt. Now, is this not what Jesus also said in the book of Luke chapter 12 verse 49? I am come to set fire on the earth. That's mankind. And what will it if it be kindled? The fire is not burning on the literal earth, but it's burning amongst people. Now, a very good illustration about this fire burning in people can be found in Luke 24 verse 32. Without to do with the confession of the two disciples, Jesus met at the resurrection as he exposed the word to them, revealing himself from the law, son, and the prophet. And here is what they said. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us? While he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures, Hallelujah. Something happened to them. There was a burning fire that took place within their hearts. As conviction was coming into them. Because they, they kind of come to the place of like, if I may use the word, unbelief. Hallelujah. So how is this being done? How is the burning taking place? Through the world, the light, the truth of God's word, which is sent forth. Look at John chapter 30 verse 20 from the Amplified Translation. This is what it says. Every wrongdoer hates, loots, detests the light. I will not come out into the light, but shrinks from it, lest his works, his deeds, his activities, his conduct be exposed and reproved. Hallelujah. Did you get that? Lest his conduct. So, they go out of the light. In other words, if you come under the word of God, there is a light around environment that exposes the things that are hidden in your heart. The word reproved is the same as discovered in the margin of the King James translation. Can you get that? Which has to do with the bond up. That's the same thing with discovered, exposed, made bare. You come to church sometimes and the pastor is speaking. What's the next thing that's going to be happening to you? He says, oh, he's talking about me. He must be talking about me. Some even get out of fellowship and say, the pastor is using me to preach. Why did you think he's using me to preach? No. The word simply just exposed what was in your heart. Right? That's what we're talking about. Amen. So, are we surprised then that our God is a consuming fire? Who seeks to purify us as sons of Levi? For instance, you know, in Hebrew 12 verse 29, our Lord is a consuming fire. I'm going to be touching on that 
strongly in the next broadcast. But here in Matthew 3, I mean Malachi 3, let me read Malachi 3, 1 to 3 for you. He said, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way. And that's supposed to be John the Baptist. Uh, before me, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the new covenant whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, said the Lord of hosts, verse 2. But whom he abide the day of, of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth, for he is like a refiner's fire, and like a fuller soap. And verse 13 says, And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi, the priesthood, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering, what? In righteousness. Very good. Precise. Can you get that? Praise the Lord. So there's a purifying process. There is a spoliation. There's a making bare, a laying bare of the things that are in the earth that are not speaking forth of the glory and the mind of God. Now the fact of the matter is this. God has determined in Christ to expose every man's work and have them dealt with in judgment. Especially the ministers, even as we found in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 11 to 15. That looks a little bit of a long reading, but let's take it. 1 Corinthians 3. Very interesting. It's good we we'll look at it. And this is what it says. Praise the Lord. It says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wool, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abides which he hath built thereon, thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but himself shall be saved. Yet so as by fire. Praise the living God. Did you get that? So, there cannot be any deception when, it, when this fire begins to burn. Unbelief of religious spirit or hiding place from the truth. That burns off this wicked works, even as Paul in the spirit declares. Hallelujah. Again, you see, Paul says something in First Timothy chapter chapter five and verse twenty four to twenty five, and this is what he says. So many things are open beforehand, going before to judgment, which will begin in the house of God, of course. The church as a word exposed the sins of his people as the true world is being preached. And it says, and some men they follow after. Likewise also the good works of some, which is the life of Christ now, are manifest beforehand. And they are otherwise cannot be hid. They that are otherwise cannot be hid. I want you to just take this uh, closely. Watch it again. See what Paul is saying here. First Timothy. Remember, to be burnt up means to be made bare, to be exposed. To be uncovered. In other words, no secret, no pretense of any sort shall be allowed in God's kingdom. In the sense that when the world begins to come, all of these things are exposed. Doctrines that are not God-founded, Christ-founded, they're going to be exposed and dealt with. So now you look at what it says here in First Timothy chapter 5 and uh, verse 24 to 25. So men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and that they are otherwise cannot be hid. Amen? Praise the Lord. And this is what Paul is talking about. So all of those things, manipulation in church system, you know, things which are not of God, gradually they are getting exposed. And, and then... Meaning, there is no one that shall not be exposed to the sex light of God's word in his people. The true sons. Even as it searches the inward parts of the belly. The heart. Because he desires truth in the inward part. You see, in Proverbs 20, 27, the Bible says, The spirit of man is candle of lust. Searching the inward parts of the belly. Meaning, the spirit will continue to search and expose the inward part of the belly. And and here the Bible says in Psalm 51 verse 6, the Bible talks about he desire truth in the inward parts. 
He desired truth in the inward part. So when the spirit begins to walk, when light begins to shine forth, there is nothing that is going to be hidden in the lives of men. Praise the living God. So, don't forget that. This works that God has to deal with are both Adamic and religious in nature. Hence, we are told that we cannot lay other foundation, other belief system, doctrines that are not of Christ, concept except that of Christ. For every man's work shall be made manifest, show for what it is on that day, the day of Magadon. It shall be declared, you know, because it shall be revealed or exposed by fire. And that's what we say, we just read in First Corinthians 3, 11 to 15. Praise the living God. Are you following this? You see, no concept, no belief. In other words, as minister, listening to me now, how is your teaching lining up with God's thought, intent and purposes for his body? How is your doctrine actually what God intended for his body to bring man to the place of maturity and perfection? How is that so? That is the point. So, when judgment comes, you find that you're going to lose out in all of those things that you believe in, that you are holding on to, which are not of God. Any doctrine that God has not put in place is going to be exposed and done away with. And of course, today, we've seen all of that taking place across the land. Men are beginning to see truth. Men are beginning to see light. And that is why I, I, I keep speaking to my brethren, I mean, co-ministers. You don't have anything to fight through by castigating anybody. You see, we have a clear example from the life of Philip when he went to Samaria. He didn't say, Philip, go there and begin to attack Simon the sorcerer. No. He was there. Everybody knew Simon the sorcerer to be one powerful man in the land. But Philip went there and was just declaring the kingdom of God. Guess what? When Peter and Co. came finally to Samaria after Philip had left off, what did you think the, 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 the man did? He came to Peter and said, you need to give him the power that he's using. So finally he discovered that the power that he was using as a sorcerer cannot be compared to the real power. And Peter said, you perish with your, with your money. You see that? So that's what it should be. You don't have any need to castigate anybody. You don't have any need to criticize anybody. Just put the truth out there. Right? The false thing will disappear by themselves. This is so critically important. Because if, if we walk this way, a lot of the skepticism within the body will be taken away. And don't forget, when you walk in division and heresies, uh, separation, seditions within the body of Christ, you are a carnal Christian. First Corinthians 3 tells us that. You are just carnal. And so God is exposing this thing, but you see, it, it has to do with the light. You just shine the light wherever you find yourself. Give out the truth the way it should be. Praise the living God. So, are we surprised therefore that all religious craftiness has been exposed daily? Even among those of us called men of God. The fire is at work. Judgment is going on. The demons of religion in men are being forced to cry out. No matter whom they are. And you will truly know them by their fruits as they manifest. Praise the living God. Like you find in Matthew chapter 7 verse 20. You see, you will know their fruit. False teachings, you will know them. False prophets, you will know them. By their fruit, the fruit they bear. That's what Jesus said. Praise the living God. You know? And when you look at Matthew 7 verse 19, so it's about every tree, which are people now, tree speaks of people in the Bible. For every tree that bringeth not forth fruit, or good fruit, which is the life of Christ, like you find in John 3 verse 21, is hewn down and cast into the fire. Which is actually, first of all, primarily the judgment that came to Jerusalem in AD 70, right? But it's saying the same thing. Every falsehood is going to be consumed by the fire that Peter is writing about in Second Peter 3 verse number 10. Great religious men in the days of John the Baptist and Jesus lose their significance because of the light, the truth that came out of these two people. Even so shall it be and continue until the demons of religion will have no hiding place in men. Is that okay? John and, and Jesus, they set forth a pattern for us to follow, other than like I mentioned in the case of Philip the Evangelist. They were declaring the truth. They were proclaiming the truth of God's word. And what was the next thing that happened? We are made to understand. These people who claimed to be mighty men before, 
they begin to lose their significance in the society. They were losing their followership to Jesus Christ. Why? Because they have light, they have truth. And that's what matters. And so don't be surprised when people walk out of here sometime, you better begin to understand why that is happening because they find truth that you don't have. If you want to retain and maintain your people, if you want to allow your church to grow the way it should grow, you better stand for the truth of God's word and people will come in there. Remember their sheep and they will always go for greener pastures. Praise the living God. Now don't forget that. The day of the Lord of Magadan shall come so as a thief in the night. Why? Because it is an unexpected strip of God upon those who are drunken and asleep in the night of religious ease. Like we find in First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse number 7. Amen? Hallelujah. They'll be swept away. They're going to, I mean, you just need to think about it. They'll be swept away unknown to them that judgment is coming unto them. Praise the living God. And I want you to pick that because very, very important, very, very important and significant that we note what the scripture is saying there. It's coming like a thief. Praise the Lord. Coming like a thief and it's going to sweep them off. And Listen, even at this word is coming, there is trouble in the heart of those who are actually walking in the land of deception. So it comes unexpectedly. You wouldn't even know when it comes. But before you know it, judgment is taking place. The fire is burning. You're losing those things that you feel they are mostly important to you in religious observance. Praise the Lord. So, in Matthew 24, verse 42 to 47, which was actually what Jesus spoke to the Jews again in Jerusalem before the fall. But it's pertinent for us to observe that today as well. What did he say? Watch, be sober. Therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known it, watch, watch the thief will come, which is Christ coming in judgment to take away your man-made comfort, he will have watched and will not have suffered his house to be broken up or burnt up. Therefore, be also ready for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. Amen? Praise the Lord. Judgment comes to take away the things that you so trusted in, that you so relied in, unknown to you. That's the point. So, when this is done in a man, there will be an obvious change noticeable by all. It finally leads to maturity and righteousness. And I would like to read the scripture here as well for you to understand. And I'm going to make, make this point clear to you. You see, sons of God don't go through judgment. They go through chastisement. Why? Because they are already judged in Christ. I know this may be hard for you to see or to take in, but that's the truth. Is that okay? You're already a child of God. You're since we are judged in Christ. That's the main thing. Hallelujah. You could be suffering from the work of the flesh, yes. But the truth of the matter is, your sins are judged in Christ. And you can only be chastened. Now let me read that for you. In, in, in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 7, this is what the Bible says. Hebrews 12 verse number 7. It said, okay, let me take it from verse, uh, verse number 5. And the Bible says, uh, I'm reading from verse number 5, right? Okay. The Bible says... One minute. Praise the Lord. Let me open up this place. Right. Okay. From verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuke of him. For when the Lord, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, therefore are all partakers, then are ye bastard and our sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we give them reverence. Shall we not much rather in the subjection unto the father of spirit and live? And he said, For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening, verse 11. I'm reading Hebrews 12. 
Verse 11. Not chastening for the moment, for the pregnancy meant to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, he yielded what? The peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Praise the living God. Now I want you to take that verse 11 again. Right? Now the chastening for the pregnancy meant to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yielded a peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So, what does, what does judgment or chastening do? It produces righteousness. Now, let me show you another scripture from the Old Testament that is similar to that. And it's also very, very important. And it's good you, you take a look at this. Uh, look at the book of Isaiah 26, verse number 9. Look at what he says. With my soul, as I have prayed now, with my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yeah, with my soul, I mean with my spirit within me, will I seek thee early. Listen to this. For when thy judgment are in the heart, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Oh, glory to God. When thy judgment are in the heart, the inhabitants of the heart will learn righteousness. So one of the things that the judgment of God or the chastening of God does is to produce what? Righteousness. I want you to pick this. Again, sons are not judged but chastened. And the purpose of chastisement is for full bearing unto maturity. Praise the living God. Is that okay? Right. So, we, 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 when this happens, the scripture begins to be fulfilled. It says, We henceforth be no more children to so and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Rudiments of the world, elementary doctrines, but by the slight of men and calling craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, like you find in Ephesians 4, verse 14. Why? Because we now know that all of these elementary principles find their fulfillment in who? In Christ. Like we said initially. And so when you look at Ephesians 1, verse 10, what do you see there? He said that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Everything is finding fulfillment in Christ. Not dispensation of time, but times, ages, if you will. Praise the Lord. So like I said earlier, when Paul speaking said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's no longer a struggle for Paul to live, to please God. Why? Because the Christ Spirit is not dwelling in him. So when this begins to happen to you, this is the very freedom we come into as leading, I mean that's leading to the new heaven and new earth. The kingdom of God. In the manifestation closing the age of this present evil world and opening up the new world, which are in a way called the third world. And so, if you are actually in the third world, you have nothing. Don't don't look at this as an insult or as a stigma or anything. No, the third world is actually the world that's going to take over. We are the people of the third world, not in terms of natural continent. You got to get that. When they call you third world people, it was prophetic. You may not know it, but I want you to pick it to heart. Hallelujah. So that's what we see here. So get the picture right. What are those things that are being burnt up in the heavens? I mean, uh, 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 exposed in the, in the heavens by fire? The deals with the elementary principles. All those things that we, we hook ourselves into, that we trust into, that we believe into outside of the Spirit of Christ. They are the things that are being burnt up. In the heaven and the works of, 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 of the earth as well, which we find in Galatians chapter 5, 19 to 21. They are also be burnt up, made bare, exposed. And when a thing is exposed, you find that it loses its power. When a sin factor is exposed, it loses its power. That is why when a thief is caught, you see the thief begin to shiver, begin to quick. The strength and conviction of power that he has ordinarily is taken away once he's caught in the act. Are you still there with me? Just think about anybody that's doing anything in secret and is caught. What's the next thing? The person begins to quake and shiver. That thing is exposed. And that thing is out from that past life once it is exposed. 
Are you still there with me? Praise the living God. So again, just to remind you, I'm talking about all of those things that man has come to believe into, that man has come to trust into, like all of those esoteric essays, the how to do with elementary principle of living, they are all going to be burnt up. That's what the Bible is telling us. Praise the living God. They are going to be removed from the place of, I mean, where they are. Remember what Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter 12 verse, verse 28. It said, when a devil is cast out of a man. What did he say so? Right. He looking for a place to, to go. But the key point is, if I cast out devils with the spirit of God, then what? The kingdom of God has come unto you. So every time something is dislodged from your life, a new spirit, which is God's spirit, takes over. Praise the Lord. It takes over instantly. That's the main thing that I want you to pick from that. As soon as something is judged in your life, the real life of God takes over instantly. Praise the living God. So friends, this is what we're talking about. When Peter talks about, you know, the, the heavens shall melt and the elements shall melt in the heavens. And people begin to think it has to do with some physical thing that's going to happen. No. It's not dealing with all of that. He's dealing with you. You are the re-art. Man is the re-art. As in Adam, we are born the image of the artist, which has to be an image of the heavenly. And everything in our life that's supposed and standing against the righteousness and the life of God, God wants to expose and judge by His Spirit. And when that is done, the kingdom begins to take place within our spirit. Praise the living God. So friend, this is the three world and three heaven that we're dealing with. What was it? The first world was the world of Noah, and it perished. And don't forget, when the world perished, it was not the physical other parish, it has to do with the people that were inhabiting or where that were where were habitation for those wrong spirits, they were destroyed. Noah inherited the physical earth. And Galatians one four tells us the same thing. God is saving us from the present evil world, and we've been able to see that this present evil world is going to end also. And when it's ending, that is to say, everything that is in man that's opposed to the life of God, just like it was in the case of of Noah, so shall it be in our days. And when our world, which is this present evil world, end, because we know that this world, scripture say, light under the wicked one. That is to say, it's controlled by principalities and powers, or the spirit of disobedience in the children of disobedience, like you find in Ephesians chapter two, verse number two. When those things are removed from our heavens, now the heaven of God, the glory of God begins to be manifested. We begin to walk in the light of God's spirit, and then that means those things have been judged, which are the elemental thing. Like I said before, it belongs to the Amok, esoteric essay, principle of philosophy, psychology, all of those things you walk in on. ESP, extrasensory perception, all of those things you trust in, they are going to dissolve. You come to a place one day to realize that this is not a reality. There is a greater height, a greater place, a greater position, a greater spirit in Christ that you need to come into. And when that begins to happen in your life, all those elements they are melting. You renounce them all by yourself and begin to seek the Father and begin to walk in joy in the love of the Father for the kingdom of God is righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Friends, this is what God is doing and we're looking towards that so the next thing I'm going to make you see after this age closes we're moving on to the new age which is the age of God's kingdom. Praise the living God God bless you. I'm sure the Lord has been inside to you. Amen Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.